We tell stories that from the outside could look like sad stories. But when you learn about the families, when you hear the story, when you hear the purpose and the joy, you realize they are not sad stories at all. They are happy stories. If we can learn what everybody deep down really needs, maybe we can learn to serve and love on each other better. The majority of our guests will be special needs related, but that's not all of our guests. We are going to have some guests that really don't have any special needs, but have been through something tough. We're hoping that this podcast can bring hope and joy and hopefully make you laugh a little bit. And even though it's not always easy, it's totally worth it. Welcome to the Totally Worth It Podcast. This is episode number 18. I am your co-host, John Gayhart, sitting here with my baby mama, (laughs) Amy G. Hello. And speaking of babies, Uh our baby is turning 11 this week. I know. He is. But he's like 11 going on 56. He's the oldest of our three kids. Yeah, he's not. (laughs) Even though he's the baby. (laughs) And this week, you and I traveled... We did separately, separately, separately. different spots. You went to Austin for Jamie's book release. Yeah. My friend, Jamie Ivy released her second book, you be you. So I went down to surprise her for her book release party. And I went to Houston for work. So we traveled separately, but then we raced back and got here almost at the same time yesterday, Friday evening. Yes. So now we're recording on a Saturday morning, which is unusual. That is. But we, were, we just didn't have it last night. We were exhausted. Exhausted from travels. Uh-huh. And so this morning, you've been prepping, cra- crash coursing. It's one of my not favorite gifts, but I'm really good at turbo cleaning. For anything that you lack in daily cleaning. Yes, which you, is quite a bit. You make up for in turbo cleaning. I've never seen anything like it. I'm an excellent turbo cleaner. A disaster turns into something immaculate in like an hour yeah i can in an hour yeah Yeah, for sure it's pretty impressive yeah so we are going from total chaos to hopefully by four o'clock it'll be okay yeah Uh, so we have a great episode today we have an interview with my mom (gasps) honey our kids call her honey you can call her karen and we're going to introduce her her but she's not a real karen She's, she's she a, can be. Oh, she can be. <laughs> I love you, Karen, but you can be. No, she is amazing. I couldn't have asked for anything better. We're going to talk more about her later. Just know that this turned out to be maybe my favorite interview of all times. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It was fun. So please stick around. Or if you don't want to listen to us, fast forward. It doesn't matter. You need to go listen to her because yeah. it's really important. And Amy and I have our weekly topics to share. And before we get into that... We're going to give a shout out to one of our podcast sponsors. All right, Amy. So as long as you've known me, I've taken workout supplements. Back in the day, it was for football and working out and all of that. As we've gotten older, it was still for my own personal workout and whatever. Now it's different type of supplements. It's for running. It's for wellness. It's for nutrition, those types of things. And so... Over the past two years, I've been in search for a great hydration product during running because running is still, it was new for us, so I didn't ever have anything. And so we finally landed on one. And the company who makes it is True Labs, and they have a product called Hydrate that I have just fallen in love with for running. And since then, I've found the other products that they have, which is a pre-workout that I take before I go to the gym, 
There's a protein plus collagen that I take after the gym. They've got an energy drink that will uh, maybe take the place of some afternoon coffee. The one that I haven't tried yet because I don't feel like I need it is they have a sleep supplement before you go to bed. I don't have <laughs> I don't have problems sleeping, so I've never tried that. But it's all keto friendly. It's all sugar free. It's all you know uh, very very healthy. And most of all, I just love the company behind the products and what they stand for and what they do. So True Labs, go check them out if you need any kind of wellness supplements, and you can find a link to buy them in our show notes. Awesome. All right, Amy, what's the first segment? See, what had happened was... So I have a very special announcement this week. <laughs> I'm glad that you do these live. You haven't heard this. This is going to be your first time. I, I'm overjoyed. I'm officially announcing that I cannot ever run for president. Thank you. I, I, it was, I was unclear this week. I would have said on Monday, maybe there's a chance. I would have said on Monday that there was never a chance. <laughs> Not really, but we don't talk politics, No. but I, I just have to share a little bit and I'm not going to get political okay? because I don't know enough about it to even talk politics. Yeah. For those, if you heard us on season one, I announced that I'm probably know the least amount of politics than anybody <laughs> that any of our listeners have ever met. I don't understand any of it and I don't pretend to. I ask you questions when I need something. Yeah. So the debate was this week mm -hmm. and I wanted to watch it because... Through business and just through networking activities, I hear conversations about politics all the time. And I like to figure out, I like to at least have an idea of what they're talking about, even though I don't understand it. So I knew people were going to be talking about the, the debate. And so I wanted to watch it. So we watched it. And, you know, 20 minutes in, I think my question to you, it was, okay, is there another debate that shows us other candidates? Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're still waiting for Kanye to come out. <laughs> because... I'm watching it and I don't know a lot about what they're talking about, but I'm just watching the people mm. because I, I, I made like my declaration to you last year that I think, cause we did some sort of voting where you and I went up to the courthouse and did some voting and there was judges and all sorts of people on it. And so I told you, I said, I think my voting strategy is going to be whichever, whichever candidate I would enjoy sitting down and have a, having a cup of coffee with. Oh my word. That's who I'm going with. Hmm. And so, okay, those two guys, neither one of them. I don't want a cup of coffee with either of them. No. Um, but I'm sitting there watching and I'm just watching their demeanor. And the reason why I say the official announcement that I could never run for president is because I could never be one of the, in that debate. The minute Trump interrupts me and doesn't let me talk, I'm just walking off the stage. I can't handle that in life when somebody interrupts me like that. You really can't. I cannot handle it. And I can debate with somebody. I just want, I'll hear them out. They hear me. I can't handle anything else. My favorite is when you were like, when, if I were to interrupt you, you immediately go, why don't you just tell the story? <laughs> I can't, I, interruption. I can't handle. So I try not to, although I just did it. Right. But we're, this is our. That's okay. And then the second Biden laughs at something I said, like sarcastically, uh -huh. I'm out. I'm walking off the stage. I cannot handle it. No. So in, I could not have been in that conversation. I wouldn't have lasted five seconds, but I'm sitting here thinking we can find out, we can find so many ways to run events mm -hmm. like productively and efficiently and on purpose for some reason that I don't know, they don't run this debate like this because they act like they're not following the rules of the debate, but the people who are in charge of this debate have total control. You can shut off a microphone 
you know, but and like, then that is viewed as they're limiting what someone was trying to say. So yeah. there's all sorts of, here's the deal. Those simple rules have always worked in the past. Have they? Yes. Those debates haven't been that dumb in the past? No. So the, what I saw the other night was unusual. That's not a usual debate. Yes. Usually candidates have respect for one another enough at least to let them talk. Okay. Okay. And I'm not, I'm not one-sided here. Right. Both sides were absolutely ridiculous. I'm sitting here thinking like these are, these guys are running for the most powerful position. I wouldn't follow either of them into a 7-Eleven. Much less into a battlefield. You know? Slater was watching it with us, and he said it looked like two kids arguing on the playground. Yeah. That was his, and I don't know if there isn't any better explanation of it. <laughs> it was crazy. And so as, I don't think, I don't ever even think about politics, ever. No. Right now, you can't help it. But for the first time, like, I've I've been feeling a little nervousness or almost like, anxiousness about the vote coming up Yeah, because I know that I'm supposed to vote. Uh-huh. I'm not like, okay, that's, you, I, it's whatever. I'm going to go vote because I've, everyone yeah. thinks it's everyone's responsibility. So cool. I get it. I don't think I'm qualified to vote. I've talked to you about this in the past yeah. that I don't know these guys well enough to, to vote. And so, but I think a lot of people do and a lot of people don't. And a lot of people just vote because it has, it says Democrat or yeah. it says Republican or whatever. So I have two solutions. Oh, okay. To the voting process for people voting. like me. Okay. For people like me. And one of them, I think people would never get on board with. And another one I could see people getting on board with. So I'm going to propose these. Okay. okay. So my proposal number one is that in order to vote, because right now in order to vote, you just have to be 18. Right? You have to be 18 and you have to be registered to vote. And you have to be registered to vote. Um, I'm, I want a second part of that in which you have to take a test. And the test says, it's going to tell the people, it's going to tell us, do you have any idea of how the political system works? Like it could be really, really easy. I promise you I'd get a 10 on it. Even if it was the easiest test on earth. I don't have a clue about any of the branches of government or any of that. Okay. So there's got to be a test. You pass it. Okay. Now you can go vote. All right. So I like that idea. Nobody else is going to like that no. idea. That'll never go anywhere. I get it. I think it would be a smart move. Here's what I think people can get behind. But if it's something that you could pass, then what's the point? You're saying you're not qualified to vote. I would not pass this test as well. Oh, I'm I saying. thought you said you would make it easy enough yeah, to pass. It would be easy enough for the normal person to, to pass. Okay. I would not even come close. Okay. Because gotcha. they're going to say, you know, the test has got to say something like, what does the Supreme Court do? Not a clue. I don't even have a guess. Oh, good gosh. What is a congressman? No idea. Hey, listeners, he's got a lot of really great <laughs> qualities. <laughs> okay. So proposal number two, and I think people could get behind this. You ready? Uh-huh. Okay. You've got on your voting ballot, everybody goes votes. On your vote, like the same, the same people who vote now, you're 18 and you're registered. You go vote and on your ballot says, if there's only two candidates, I don't know how many there are. I've only seen two, but you've got candidate one, you've got candidate two, and you've got, um, choose number three. Okay. And for choose number three, now you fill out a questionnaire that what is important to you in life? Where do you stand on these subjects? How do you feel about pro-life? 
How do you feel about social justice? How do you think about taxes? How do you think about immigration? What all the different things that a president is supposed to stand for. You fill out this survey and then they say, okay, we're going to put your vote for the one who falls most in line with what you believe or want. I would choose that every time. So in theory, sounds like a great plan. Mm -hmm. Would never work. Would never happen. So maybe just read up on some candidates and you can decide before you go vote. Yeah, I guess. Or just pick the lesser two evils. I... On the one, the judges one, or the rail, the people who run the railroad, or whatever we were voting for. Oh, jeez. I I picked the one who I thought had the coolest name. You did. How am I supposed to know? There's like twenty so of them. Your name's supposed... Buster, and you're running. Yes. John's voting for you. There was an Ernest. Definitely got my vote. <laughs> Just because you like Ernest goes to camp. Yes. <laughs> Guys, maybe we don't want John to go vote. I'm serious that you don't want me to vote. I should not be voting, but I'm going to because oh, I think I'm supposed to. Oh, God love him. And let me change the subject. Okay. How does that sound? All right. All right. I've got two stories. They're short. Mine are, it's not about a dolphin. <laughs> Man, I was cracking up last week when I was Okay. So a 103, 103-year-old man becomes world's oldest tandem skydiver. Tandem, so he's on somebody's back. Yeah. Somebody else is doing all the work. 103. And guess where he's from? Where? Texas. San Marcos, Texas. Al Blaschke became the Guinness World Record holder for the oldest tandem skydiver when he jumped out of a plane. He did it the first time in 2017 for his 100th birthday, and he promised to return to the skies to claim the Guinness World Record. All right. I'm going to give a hot sports opinion about this. Okay. I'm more impressed that he's 103 than I am that he skydived, that he what? tandem skydived, that he tandem skydived. Because a tandem skydive, you don't actually do anything. The only thing that you have to do is not be afraid to go out of the plane. Uh, hello. Yeah. Okay, I get That's it. a big deal. He, when I'm 103, I won't be scared of anything. <laughs> There's what, what could you be scared of when you're 103? What impresses me is that that guy's 103. Okay. Well, I thought it was pretty impressive. Cool story. But like the impressive thing to me that sticks out is he's 103 because I've, you know, you know that I have one of my major goals in life, probably my last goal in life will be to, to reach a hundred years old. Yes. When I'm a hundred, like I would not jump out of an airplane now. When I'm a hundred, somebody keep me accountable. I'm jumping out of an airplane. How about that for my hundredth birthday? You are not. I am because what do I care when I'm a hundred? You, you will not. Okay. See if this headline would make it around our dinner table. Okay. Oh boy. Cyclist rides 2,500 miles from Poo Poo Point to to Pee Pee Creek. (laughs) What do you think? Would that, would Slater be able to hold it together? I can't even hold it together. (laughs) Slater would die. From Poo Poo Point in Washington state. Okay. To Pee Pee Creek in Ohio. And man, what I hate is that the whole story gets lost. The headline should say, man rides bike from Washington State to Ohio. No, but he did this on purpose, obviously. So he was raising money for Yemen relief and said he rode exactly 69 miles per day to travel from Poo Poo Point to Pee Pee Creek. I got to say that this guy is hilarious and genius. There's so many (laughs) things in there to be funny. It took him 36 days 
Wow. At 69 miles to a day. arrive at Ohio's PP Creek. <laughs> I like this guy's sense of humor. That's funny. <laughs> but yeah, that there we Oh, he is planning to complete his 5,000 mile journey at PP Island in Newfoundland and Labrador. Huh, who knew? Wow. That's funny. Yeah, that's not going to make it far around our dinner table. Oh my gosh. There's not going to be, it's going to be a while before dinner gets back to Poo Poo Point and Pee Pee Creek. Yeah. That's funny. That is funny. That is funny. Amy G, what's our next segment? Well, isn't that special? What do you have? Well, just a little update. Okay. Jack is out driving Mabry around right now. Right now. While we're recording this episode. So. He got his hardship license last Friday, right? No, no it was, it was he got Monday. it this Monday. Sorry. Went Friday. There was a little, they had to go back on Monday and it has already been a game changer. I feel like we sent him to college. A little bit. The first time he, so he brought Mabry from school to Blue Sky so she could do her horse therapy. I felt like my three-year-old was driving like when he pulled in, I mean, he looked like Jack Jack. <laughs> yeah. What we used to call him little Jack Jack in his Spider-Man suit. Yep. Cause it, oh, it was crazy. I know he had his location on his phone turned off, which we have fixed that. We have since fixed that. But you and I were both really nervous because I sent him off from home and he was going to blue sky. Which is not, I mean, it's probably. It's 30 minutes away. It's 30 minutes, but it's also back country roads. Yeah. But it's not easy backcountry. It's not easy. And you would just, I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, man, I bet most parents set their kid off on the first drive to the elementary school down the street. To Kroger. You know, to put, yeah, right, you know, two miles away. We just sent him 30 minutes. And I'm like, wow. We just said, go for it. And we've got no location. And so I told him, when you get to Blue Sky, text me. And so I'm checking, you're checking in with me. Has he left yet? I'm checking with you. Has he gotten there yet? Ever since that 30 minute drive, here we are almost a week later. I haven't even thought about it again. Like he's been driving all over the place. <laughs> and he did it once. So anyways, he's doing great, but it is a game changer. Man. And he knows that, you know, we can really, use, we have always been able to use him for a lot more. Yes. Right now he knows that the hardship is to help the family. Yeah. And so it really is a, I need you to go two hours and take her out. I need All you. of this usefulness may change when he turns 16. Yeah. And he has a real license because although we do pay his insurance and he has a vehicle. Yeah. So all of that could go away. But for right now, he is happily with a joyful heart driving Mabry around. He loves it. So one thing that I did while we were teaching him to drive driver's education so we did the parent taught so he had to do all the hours whenever i would drive with him i would all of a sudden reach out and pull his hair okay or i would punch him in the ribs because that's what mabry will do that's what mabry would do Mm -hmm. not like i really hurt him but it was one of those things like okay what do you do now and he would get to the next turnoff spot get out of the car and wait Hmm. like wait for it to de-escalate and then carry on. You just got to keep your head on a swivel. But that's probably something that most drivers don't get punched in the ribs by their mom yeah. while they're driving. But it's just one of those things that you have to be ready for. Yep. Um, so that's what's something a little bit different. I did not do that. Oh. But I taught him how to parallel park. There you go. <laughs> but I bet he uses my tactics more than your tactics. I bet he does. But also, too, you don't 
you don't normally, she doesn't attack you in yeah. the car. She pesters. She but pesters, she but she doesn't attack. So she would attack me mm-hmm. um, or Jack. But anyways, I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. Yep. So something that I've talked about, I talked about in season one, probably pretty early on the first episode or the first few episodes, I want to revisit a little bit because I see it continuing to happen. And I just think it's so interesting and there's going to be parents out there who can relate or other parents who would be just interested to hear this. But when I'm in a social setting, whether it be a work event, church, you know, somewhere where, where I'm around people who know me, but don't really, really know me. It's amazing how at the point that they find out that I have a child with autism, Mm -hmm. how their personality towards me changes Yeah, and not, and it sounds bad and it's not bad, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's, and I, there's a good chance that nobody else around notices, but it's very apparent. And an example of that would be, and it actually happened this week is in just a social environment where there's a dinner going on and whatever, and everybody's just mingling. Um, People are loud and funny and silly and whatever they do. And then at some point they engage with me and start asking me some questions or it comes from another person that's in the room and they will bring up something about my daughter. And, you know, the the common question is, oh, how old is she? Oh, she's eight or she's 17 going to be. Yeah. So she's a senior in high school. Oh, yeah. I bet you got your hands full and this and this and this and this. And you're dealing with all of this. And at some point it comes up that, well, not, Not actually. Really. Yeah. She has autism. So, she, you know, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> but, but then, and it's not usually a, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry to hear that. People don't know how to respond. It's true. And it's okay. But what, that's not even the interesting fact. That is all very common responses. Everybody would expect that, that to be normal. What is interesting is very Often, so that event would will happen at an at you know a dinner, and then people go on and carry about their business. At some point in that dinner, that person who found out usually will come back to me and get in a deep conversation. Yeah, and sometimes you and I have talked about this a lot, and it sounds it sounds like we're making a joke, and and it's not meant that way because people want to relate and people want to learn more. So sometimes you know you'll you'll make this joke. Oh, they'll, they'll come to, they'll come to us. Oh, I know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who has autism, right. you know, and they're trying to relate, sure. although it's, it doesn't really work, but they're trying to get there. Mm-hmm. What also, and that, that is just, it is what it is. What also happens that's really interesting is, um, and you'll get a genuine story and they come back and they focus on you and they're like, Hey, I just recently read this book about this mom who had a son with autism and this and this and this and this, what do you think about that? And, and so it sometimes turns into those conversations, Yeah. but in either case, it's just so interesting to see the energy and the personality of the room shift and change a little bit. And we don't, I'm, I'm in this situation more than you are because of work. I'm out and about with people all the time. I don't ever just volunteer that information about Mabry because I don't want it to be a thing. Right. Usually it has to get to that third or fourth or fifth question before I say it because I can't go anywhere else in the conversation. And it's it's really interesting to watch then the focus of that person come on this. And I, I actually love it. I, it's a real blessing. And it's one of the it's one of the nice things that comes with being a special needs parent 
is it strikes up very deep, very personal conversations later that wouldn't come otherwise Mm -hmm. in, in some special connections. Um, and I love that about it. So it goes from that awkward state to, are you really going to make me, you know, say this to, it can, it can be personal connections. That personal connection happens less often than just the kind of blow by, Oh, and, and change. But I know that there's parents out there who can relate to both the trying to not share that information just because you don't want it the attention to come to you or the energy of the room to change. But when it does watching what happens, watching how people respond. It's funny. So I was at a get together for Jamie's book on Thursday night. And one, one of my best friends also is Taylor Nichols. Mm -hmm. And we were sitting, it was me and Taylor and I think three or four other ladies. And we were talking about Jack driving Mabry. And, um, and I had just, you know, we had just discussed, you know, that Mabry has autism, is, you know, categorized, nonverbal, blah, blah, blah. You know, the the song and dance or the elevator speech or whatever, yeah. you know. And so then Taylor said, <laughs> Taylor said, well, does, does she like riding with Jack better or riding on the bus? And I looked at Taylor and I was like, well, she hasn't told me. And we start dying laughing because it's like she's nonverbal. Yeah. She hasn't told me. And Taylor knows. And well Taylor, so Taylor and I start laughing yeah. because it's a. I'm just making a joke yeah. that I would make with a best friend, you yeah. know. And the other ladies were kind of like, they didn't. <laughs> you they made didn't, it awkward for them. They didn't really know what to do, and of course, Taylor has a way of saying things, and yeah. she was just like basically. Shut up. Because <laughs> I looked at it, I was like, it was a joke. See, she's nonverbal. So she hasn't said, hey, I really like riding with Jack. And Taylor's like, shut up. You know what I mean. You yeah. know what she feels. And I was like, I know. I was. It was a joke. It was funny. But... And you and I joke a lot like that to people to help soften the conversation. Yes. Because yes. people that don't feel like they know us really well will dance around. Can I say this? Can I say this? What's the right way? So you and I normally say something that kind of makes them uncomfortable to show them <laughs> that it's okay. This is okay. Yeah. That we're open to it. So that was kind of it. But the ladies that I had just met were kind of like deer in the headlights. <laughs> of, is she serious? You know, it was kind of like that for a second. Cause I said it kind of like, well, I don't know. She hasn't told me, yeah. you know, like you were <laughs> offended by Taylor asking you that. Yes. And I, of course I'm not, it was funny. Yeah, it's so those are some of the most awkward, most uncomfortable, but also can be the coolest times. Well, in and those it conversations. Happen, I think it probably happens to me more than it does to you because people can ask you, hey, what do you do for a living? Mm-hmm. OK. Yeah. And you're like, I'm in sales. And you can talk about that when people Is ask that how me, I talk. Hey, <laughs> my name's John and I sell things. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, I sell things and I sell things um, but if people ask me what I do for a living well it's gonna go to blue sky and then oh how did you get how did you know how did you get started in that well here we go you know so it always goes there which is totally fine but yeah, I don't have I don't have anything else I do so I'm autism 24 <laughs> 7 <laughs> Gosh. That's funny. <laughs> well, what you digging this week? So, you see my ring? I clearly see it. I thought it was a, like a paper towel folded up on your hand. What is that? 
This is a ring that was the party favor at the party at Jamie's. Whoa, it goes two directions? See that? I like that. So this is from Sanctuary Project. Um, and Holly Hayes, who is, is, uh, it was at her house. The party was at her house. She is the founder and CEO of Sanctuary Project and they make beautiful jewelry. Beautiful. I I don't know if y'all can, I'll put it, we'll put it in our show notes, but all of these products and packaging and everything is done by women who have, um, gotten out of sex, sex trafficking or addiction and so it's empowering and employing women to get back get their life back um what kind it, of stone is that on top it's like a marble it's i don't know what kind of stone it is but it's marbled and it's so pretty um and it's fun and it's chunky just yeah. i love it um but they have beautiful beautiful things and just such a great cause and empowerment and of empowerment for these ladies who have come out of this really hard place. Um, but go check them out. Sanctuary project. And the cool thing is they launch on target.com this week. Really? Yeah. So they're at target, Dang. but there is some really cool jewelry on there. So it was hard because I was sitting there meeting Holly Hayes mm-hmm. and loving this new ring. And to my left was Tiffany Wade of Waterloo style they're competitors? They're not competitors. They're actually very kind. But all of my feather earrings that I wear yeah. are from Waterloo. Did they already know each other? Yes. They're friends. They, they are friends. Um, and Tiffany Wade is just, her and her partner, Jana, uh, they own Waterloo. They are my favorite earrings. I adore them. Um, so it's just funny because two of my favorite things were like right there. It was awesome. And you were wearing both. Well, I had just picked this up. You had just gotten that ring. Yeah. So, see, this way, if you wear it this way, it's not as, it's hard to bend your knuckle. Gotcha. So, we figured out that you can wear it the other way, too. Very cool. Isn't it neat? So, that is what I'm digging is Sanctuary Project, and I'm always digging Waterloo. They have designed a pair of earrings for Jamie's book launch that are amazing. So, I will be ordering them this weekend. they, They launched with the book? Yes. And there are three feathers on one ear. Okay. How many on the other ear? Three. <laughs> Come on. Anyway. That... Is it just a Mr. T line? You got a one long feather on one ear? Ooh, maybe we need to start doing that. That would be cool. So anyways, two very talented ladies with amazing, amazing businesses. So that cool. was fun. Let me tell you about what I'm digging. Okay. That this has been for people who can relate. This has been a game changer because I am a heavy coffee drinker. When I say heavy coffee drinker. He means heavy. I mean, not that it's heavy coffee, but all day long I drink coffee. Yes. It's one of those, it's, it's one of those things that I want to improve upon. It's like, I drink too much. And so forget, but forget the fact that I'm hoping to not drink as much coffee. I signed up for the Panera monthly subscription. Ah, yeah. And part of it was by your suggestion. Did you hear me just now? (laughs) Ah, yeah. You're Minnesota. I'm from Minnesota. And I, we have a Panera now by our house and they're all over. And I have a lot of meetings there. 
um, at Panera. But the Panera Coffee is the monthly subscription is eight ninety nine a month, and your first month is free. And I'm like, will I use it? Will I not use it? Will I use it? Will I not use it? And every single day, I go get a two dollar cup of coffee. At some point, I mean, I make a lot of coffee at home. At some point during every day, because why get, not? Because I'm out. I'm going from this place to this place. So this is not going to help you. It's not going to help my coffee supply, <laughs> but it is definitely uh, a game changer because here's what happens. I go through the drive-through. I give them my phone number. They ask me how I want my coffee. I go by the window. They hand me a coffee and I drive out on nice. my way. Nice. What is smart by them is now when I'm driving Mabry around, she's going to want a snack. Well, I'm going to go through there because I'm going to get a cup of coffee. And then, you know, so I'm paying them money because of the subscription. Most people don't go through just to get a cup of coffee. I don't know. Because I, I've been doing it. No, all, that's what I'm saying. Like, Oh, yeah, yeah. Most people, they're they are, not. They are banking on the fact that you're going to order something else. Yeah, you're going to get a muffin or something when you come in. <laughs> Drive through muffin. Yeah, but I've been like, I've been every day, probably every day for the last week. Instead of going to 7-Eleven to get their cup of coffee or to Starbucks to get their cup of coffee, I just drive to a Panera and get theirs. Smart. And it's been a game changer. Yeah. It really has. It's cool. So good job, Panera. That was a smart move. I don't know if you're making money out of it, but... Obviously. They would have canceled it if they They would have canceled it by now. And when I, and the first month's free? Come on. Come on. So good job, Panera. All right. Our guest today, her name's Karen Slater. She's my mom. And... We didn't want and my mother-in-law and Amy's mother-in-law and we didn't want like our guest to be my mom. That sounds like we couldn't get a guest. And right. so we just asked my mom <laughs> because we talk about the only listeners that we have are our moms. We're we've, joking. We're joking, but we've actually been planning this episode for a while. We've been planning it. We didn't want it to be season one because we wanted more people to hear it. And we figured if we could get more followers or more listeners, then they would hear her. Um, our moms are both extremely supportive mm -hmm. and she's that way as well. But the reason why this conversation was so important to us is because obviously she's a special needs grandmother. Mm -hmm. You can put the dots together, connect the dots. You can find she's Mabry's grandmother. So we like that perspective from a special needs grandmother. But the, the more important thing is her sister is special needs mm -hmm. and they are, her sister is just barely older than her, right. a year and a half older than her. Mm -hmm. They're both in their seventies. Mm -hmm. Aunt Nancy, you, if you've heard past episodes, you've heard us talk about aunt Nancy. Aunt Nancy has a birthday coming up. She's going to be 75. Right. On and Monday. So, on Monday. Yeah. And so just first off to talk about an adult with special needs who's 75, Yeah. you don't, you, you don't meet a lot, you know, and just understanding what that's like is, is an interesting thing. The most intriguing part of this conversation. Now I gotta, I gotta put aside my bias for a second because I'm just so interested in this entire story, but everyone's going to be interested to hear what was it like growing up with a sibling with special needs in the fifties mm -hmm. and sixties yeah. and seventies, because it was so different right. than now. And so learning some of those things of what it was like, my mom shares really good information about it. Um, but also, I love the perspective of we as special needs families and as special needs parents and as special needs advocates, we tend to think a lot about how we get the shaft in terms of resources, Yeah. how not enough resources are available and the school's not good enough and this isn't good enough and not enough jobs. When you hear about what it was like in the 50s and 60s, you realize, dang. We've come a long way. 
we've come a long way. Yeah. We're still nowhere close to where our kids deserve. Sure. But we've come a long, long way. And we get that perspective from my mom a lot. Yeah. Um, and so just dive into this conversation. You've got the shortened version of the conversation within the podcast. If you have a chance to go to the YouTube channel and watch the full length video and see my mom talk about her sister, it's going to be worth your time. You will be blessed by listening to this. It's so good. We hope you enjoy this conversation with my mama, Karen Slater. So we were just a unit. We, we were so close in age that, um, she and I were always together. You know, we had our room together. We slept in the same bed. We played together. And when we got big enough, I was her companion on the streets. Nancy lived at home until uh, she was seven. And you got to remember, this was in the um, early 50s. And even in Dallas, Texas, there was nothing for special needs kids. In those days, we called her mentally retarded. And there were state facilities, big schools, uh, residential places, but there was nothing for them during the day. There was nothing like special ed in the schools. There was nothing like a respite program for sure. Um, the choices were you kept them at home or you sent them away. And that's exactly what it was called. And so um, we tried really hard to keep her at home. And so I can remember as her companion out in the neighborhood, the other kids weren't nice to her. Mm -hmm. And um, I was skinny and fragile. She was she was bigger bone than me. She was always a little bigger than me, but I beat up some of the biggest boys in the neighborhood when they made fun of her. <laughs> I learned that at an early age. Uh, you don't mess with my sister. And so um, what I find most interesting when I think back about that is that first of all, we are Catholics. So we didn't go to school with everybody in the neighborhood. We went to Catholic school. And certain families in the neighborhood went to our school, but that was already a mark against us. We had to be cooler than other people because we didn't go to school with them. And so Nancy did not help that situation one bit. And mm -hmm. people were unkind to us about that. Um, but in our little neighborhood, there were two other families within one was uh, a block north and one was, was right behind us that also had special needs kids. Huh. So we were friends with those families. And uh, one went to our school and one went to public school, but uh, his sister stayed home. Um, we had help in our house. My mother always had some help, ever since I can remember anyway, um, taking care of us kids, because there were four besides Nancy. And uh, this person's main job was to keep up with Nancy, because Nancy was a runner. 
And Nancy liked to take all her clothes off before she ran. <laughs> and so even as a little kid, I remember her, just another story, taking someone's girdle off of a clothesline and putting it on, pulling it up as far as she could and running down the street. And so the neighbor brought her home that way. So yeah, we had lots of experiences like that, but it was just normal for us. I mean, Nancy's always known she was different, and I don't know if that came from the experience in the neighborhood, but she always knew she was different. And as long as I can remember, she would say, I can't help it, I was born that way. Uh Still says it today. I can't help it, I was born that way. Um, I actually just gave a sermon on that this Sunday (laughs) because Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a spiritual thing for me to think about. So when Nancy was seven, started school, six years old. And I remember missing her so bad. I didn't care about not being at home, but I came home saying, can't she go with me? I, what does she do while I'm gone? You know, and of course she couldn't, but that year, um, while all of us were at school, someone um, enticed her into their car. It was a person in our neighborhood and abducted uh, her and kept her for the day and molested her. Uh, I didn't know this either until I was an adult, but that was the turning point. <clears throat> I do remember the police at our house scared me to death and they were taking a report and I remember him saying this guy lived close by and he's watching her he will be back they knew mm-hmm. us and I don't know I wasn't ever privy to information about what happened to him for doing that but I just remember my parents um talking about that. How were they going to keep her safe? How were they going to have any time outside of their home and still keep her safe? And my dad traveled. He worked on the road all the time. So it was really up to mom. And uh, that's all I heard about that discussion until uh, probably a year later. Um, And we woke up from our naps and my mother was sitting in the floor of our bedroom writing Nancy's name in all of her clothes. I'd never mm-hmm. seen that before, but I knew that my friends that went to camp all had mm-hmm. their names written in their clothes. So I said, are we going to camp? Mom was crying. I never saw my mom cry, but mm-hmm. she had everything out from Nancy's winter coat to her bathing suit. I mean, I knew this was everything Nancy had. And she couldn't tell me what she was doing. She just said, you know, go out and play and take your sister with you. So later that day, they they picked her up and put her in the car. And my dad couldn't even go. He was so upset. But my uncle and my mom took her to the first state school in Texas. Mm. And 
it was devastating to me, devastating. I just remember thinking, uh, in fact, I remember saying, you know, I don't have to go to school. I can stay with yeah. her and, and I'll teach her. I'll take care of her. Just bring her back. And anyway, um, it was very, very hard on my parents. And I remember hearing later how they had to go to court and make her a ward of the state. How painful that was. Mm. But in those days, those were your choices and we could not keep her safe. Even when Mabry was younger, we had these preconceived notions about people who would send their kids to a group home or a state school or um, a supported living center like that and how we would never do anything like that, you know, and how mm -hmm. just the older Mabry has gotten, we, and the harder things that we've been through with her that we understand, like we see how those decisions can be made. Um, and I've really never thought about it in Nancy's situation that I just never thought about it that way, that, that it was for her own good and it oh, was yeah. for, in her best interest. Um, and the biggest difference between then and now, <clears throat> from what I hear from the story, is now most school districts yeah. have a special, special ed program to where Mabry started right. going to school in kindergarten. Things could have been much different for Nancy mm -hmm. if she got to go yes. to kindergarten when you did. We learned not to let her know when it was time to head back. We would sneak the case out. We would, you know, distract her because trying to get her in the car to go back, even little, she would not just run, she would wail, please don't make me go back. Please let me stay home. It makes me cry just thinking about it right now. It was horrible and it lasted for years. She did not understand why she couldn't live with us. And I didn't either. And I really hated my parents for a long time about this. When I say hate, I couldn't talk about it. Because like you, Amy, I didn't, I didn't get the adult side of it as a kid. So all I could think of was how could you send her away? And what I learned in my own therapy years later was I decided then that I better be perfect because we didn't do flawed kids in our house. I love the way things are now that young families do talk about stuff with their kids. And we, we as parents didn't know to do that. When we and talk about our feelings, it was a rare thing, right, John? It was a family meeting and everybody rolled eyes and oh Lord, what is it now? It was not common to say, it's the best part of your day. Hmm. And so we didn't talk about that kind of stuff. We didn't, my parents didn't talk about the pain they had with Nancy leaving. They just couldn't talk about it. So we didn't understand. I'm sure there was a lot of guilt on your part, um, even though you didn't make the decision for Nancy to go away, but I'm sure you felt maybe even halfway guilty for being normal. Yeah, guilty is, is a big part of it, I think. And it was like the more 
the better I did in school and the more awards that I got and all that kind of stuff, the worse I felt about that. Wow. I thought about her all the time. All the time. When was the transitioning point from you being her sister to you being her caregiver? It was very specific. Um, when I was a junior in high school, my dad had a massive heart attack. And really for the next 11 years, he never worked full time again. He was having heart attacks or strokes or different health issues. Uh, when that first one happened, um, probably a few months after he was home recovering, my mother talked to me about uh, taking more responsibility for Nancy. I was able to drive then so I could go by myself and pick her up. I never went by myself. I took a friend or brother or somebody, but she had her hands full with dad. And eventually she talked to me about going in front of the court and making that legal guardianship. And so I did that as soon as I turned 18. Hmm. And um, so I've been her legal guardian all that time. However, as long as mom was alive, she made all the decisions. I, um, I know she needed to have that in place before she died. It's funny because she took care of that, but never wrote a will for herself, you know, <laughs> but uh, she knew that uh, I would take care of Nancy. I'm interested to know, you know when baby Helen was around and, and after you and Nancy went through your adulthood together and y'all were of course going through different things. You were married with kids or doing your own thing. And what challenges did you have trying to prioritize taking care of her and helping her live out the best adulthood that she could? while still managing yours, where did it get really challenged and you know, what burdens were there? Just what did you see during that time? I think the, the thing that catches me in that question is the concept of having uh, her living her best life as a priority. I have to tell you that was not in our scope of thinking. Mm -hmm. That was not talked about. That was not written about. It was how to keep her housed and fed and clothed and with her family when possible. Mm -hmm. There was no purpose to her life. That is what touches me now. So about the work that you all do and so many others. Um, she has a great purpose in her life. And those of us that know her know that, but we didn't know it as young adults for sure. And she's never known it. Mm -hmm. uh, she's, she's got her own personality and she brings that with her and, and that's who she is. But there's never been anything done to help her develop any of her gifts. And, and the encouragement that we have in the times that we're in is that there's a lot of opportunities for kids and adults with special needs to live out their joy and purpose. And families are now making it more of a priority because yes. it, we know that they didn't used to. 
and that's not a slight on anybody. That was just no. the thing then. Yeah. There weren't opportunities anyway, just like they didn't have special ed in kindergarten. There weren't exactly. those opportunities. The other encouraging thing is we here know Nancy really well, and we know exactly what she was doing in the group home that she was in or at the work, wherever she was that day. And we know that she had a great purpose and was impacting those people that she was with. Yeah. We wish that we did a better job at getting her in front of other people. That's what we yes. should have done is yeah. get her in front of more people that we do yes. now and live in a bigger community than these five people. Right. But I bet she felt her purpose. Oh. You know, she felt <laughs> the impact that she had. All right. So let's shift gears to you being a special needs grandmother. Tell us about that perspective, what you see, what you're challenged with, what hurts, what you love, what you've learned that you didn't see all these years of being a special needs sibling. Give us a perspective of, of now what, now, now what do you see? Um, mostly I'm filled with gratitude and joy as I watch Mabry grow up. I can tell you honestly, when, um, way before we got the diagnosis, I guess, but when I realized um, that there were serious uh, issues going on, it broke my heart. It broke my heart for you all, because I know that um, every parent wants the dream for their kids. And they think they know what that is. Um, and I knew um, at whatever age that you all would, uh, would have this love, this angel in your life, and probably in your home the rest of your life. And that is a true joy and a true blessing and a true worry. Mm -hmm. And just if you can put yourself in those shoes, um, that could happen to Jack or, or Slater down the line. And it's not what you want for your child because you want an easier road for them than what you had. It never had anything to do with Mabry. It had to do with what I knew was ahead for you all. She was perfect. I knew that. <laughs> and, and I learned that from Nancy. You know, that certainly was not the, the train of thought of the culture when we were growing up, but I knew she was perfect just the way she was. And she would tell you that if you asked, you know? And so I never, I never grieved about Mabry. I grieved for you guys. And for, for Jack, when I saw his sweet, sweet spirit, just from the very beginning when he was so little, he, he wanted to take care of his sister. And being younger than her, that was, that was unusual, but he knew. And, and uh, she knew immediately how much he loved her. So um, to watch your family and think about what it was like at my house has been a great joy for me. And the more that I'm around all of you or involved in anything having to do with um, your work, I just, I'm just so grateful. It is so hard and honest goodness, I don't know how you all do every single day. I do know how, 
but it's not easy. And the work that you do to put that message out for other parents is, is uh, God's gift to this old lady before she goes. I could die happy tomorrow. I don't plan to, but really to see your children um, take that, that was called a burden in my day mm. and make it their life work. What else could a mother want? <laughs> really? So I'm doubly blessed by having those two in my life and everyone in our family is. And I think everyone would say that. How much did you love that conversation with Karen Slater? I got to say that I've heard these stories my whole life. And every time I pick up on something yeah. that I didn't, I learned from that one hour that we sat down with my mom, I learned so much. Yeah, it was awesome. It was really good. I wish we could have kept going. I know we could have. She could have. So, so go watch the whole episode on our YouTube channel. Totally worth it with John and Amy. And then go and subscribe to our YouTube channel so you'll get the updates of when we have a new episode out. And this would be a really good one. You know, if you're listening right now, you know parents with special needs, you know parents of special needs, you know people. Share that video and that interview with them. I, they're gonna learn something and it, they're gonna be blessed. Absolutely. And go subscribe to our podcast. Anywhere you get your podcast, um, go and subscribe, leave us a review a nice review and have a great day. We'll see you next week. See ya.